This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Phillies Backstage. I'm Tom Burgoyne. I'm joined by my director of Fun and Games, John Brazier. And, John, I have to say one of the great things. I've said this before. Yes. Doing this podcast is we get to catch up with old friends. And we have one of our great old friends here today with us on our podcast. Who started in 1997 in the Philadelphia. I, I started with the Phillies in 1994. So we both started in somewhat the dark days of <laughs> dark Phillies ages. baseball. Let's bring her on right away. Leslie Goodell. Leslie, how you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Right. So you started in 1997. Yeah. I think I met you, though. I, I think you might have been the first person I met. Like, even before, I don't know if I even met you, like, maybe before I got the job or right as I got mm. the job at Dodger Stadium. That's right. Yep. That's an escalator. I, I How know, do I remember that? I know where I met you. I met you at the Cleve, All-Star Game in, in Cleveland. Cleveland. Yeah, yes. you had just been announced, and we met very briefly. I heard, oh, here you're going to Philadelphia. But, uh, yeah, Cleveland All-Star I Game. I remember that yeah. as well. Yeah, how about that? All right, huh? so you grew up in California, in L.A., right? Yep. Um, when you were growing up, did you have aspirations to be a television journalist? What, what was your thinking as you were going through high school, college. John, didn't you read her bio? She wanted to be the president of the United States. She was a political well, science major. I blew that before college. Like, well, hey. I think you've done everything else but but be president of the United States. <laughs> be, you know what's funny? There's only one thing I recall as a kid that I wanted to be is a sports photographer. Hmm. And I still take my camera out and take pictures of my son's. I go to his baseball games now at Devon Prep and I take pictures with, with the kids and and I post them all so they can all, you know, use them. And they call me, hey, hey, is Big Les put the pictures up yet? I got a nickname hmm. now. I, I'm kind of fulfilling my dream that way. Big Les. All right. <laughs> wow. So it was political science, though. But so, uh, in, in, and you did, I did, you rode, too, in I did. college. Okay, so I am, like, one of those examples I tell my kids all the time, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Yeah. Like, I limped out of high school. Like, limped out of high school. I missed so many classes my senior year just because I didn't feel like going, that I didn't even get to go through graduation with my class. Mm. So I had to go take 27 hours of adult school. Which we don't recommend that for kids. <laughs> we do not to. recommend that. Yes. So I learned, you know, the 10 key and the and how to type and do more of that, right? Which, by the way, is a valuable skill that every kid should learn and doesn't anymore. But I didn't get to go through that with my class. And my dad said, you go to college or you're on your own. And I went straight to Pasadena City College, and I signed up. And I spent two years at a community college. I got on the dean's list, got my act together. And I transferred to UCLA, and I walked on the crew team. And my resume You'd, you'd says, never done crew before? Never done crew before. So what, what inspired you to do crew? Crew is not exactly one of these sports that you can just jump right in, right? So good question. I grew up with a dad who had three girls. 
So there was my love of sports from going to every sporting event possible. I loved softball. I played softball, but it was like, you know, parents divorced, not going to do that, you know, like all over the place. Right. And I lost my way for a while and I had missed that part was the sports part. So it was, somebody was telling me that there were crew tryouts. So I went down to Marino Del Rey and 90, 90 young women were standing there at the beginning of the week. And those of us that could still walk at the end of the week were down to two boats. Mm. And then I, so I say all the time, my, my resume says varsity captain of the UCLA crew team. But, you know, what I did before that to get there wasn't pretty, but I got there. Nice. So. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And somehow that uh, translated into, you know, your years at UCLA. Somehow you got into sports. So, yeah, and I, so I went just, I went into sales. I went into, okay. you know, and I was making really good money at 24 years old and, um, and doing great, but something was missing. I'd always wanted to do sports. So I went to this like three day self-help life spring class. I don't know if you guys remember that it was around, but it was like well, an in your, in your sounds face. Sounds very LA too. Oh, it was yeah. very, <laughs> it was like very in your face. Like, you know, it, what are you going to do with your life kind of thing? And I walked out of there and I go like, I'm going to be a sports guy. I'm going to go, I'm sorry. I'm going to go into sports. And so I had a friend who knew somebody at Prime Sport, Prime Ticket at the time. It was the first regional sports network. And he got me an internship. And I started going. And I, literally, Alan Massengale, who, who was one of the originals on SportsCenter, who just passed away uh, a couple months ago, Alan goes, sit on, the, sit on the set. You look good on camera. You should, you should be a sportscaster. And I'm like, okay. And so I had always thought of produ production was the way I was going to go because I loved doing the storytelling aspect of it. And I put a tape together, and I sent it out around the country, and I got a job in Pocatello, Idaho for $14,000 a year. And I showed the contract to Alan. He goes, it sucks. Sign it. You got a job. Yeah, there it is. And, that's and how, long, how long were you in Idaho for? Seven very long months. Wow, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was ready for seven very long years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I get there. I've, you know, I've got to uh, shoot everything myself. I've yeah. got, you know, I remember my first interview was with Al Order, who was a, a former Olympian. I think a, a discus or diving or something. I think discus. Um, and uh, did an interview with him. And, you know, this is when you could come back with blue video and no one saw it now like everything's on youtube um and i would send tapes off and i had a, two, a top 200 market out because i was in like market 270 and there's like 280 or something okay. like the 290 <laughs> wow. and you, i couldn't leave in the or a top 100 market out and um my news director wasn't sure i was going anywhere and um that i'd make it in the business and had expressed that to me and I, got, I kept sending tapes off to Tom Riley, the executive producer at Prime Ticket, who I interned for. And at the time, there just weren't very many women in the business that knew sports. They were hiring people who looked good on camera but maybe didn't know sports. There were a few that did, like Jeannie Zelasco certainly knew what she was doing, and, and Leslie Visser. And so I, he just – there was no one. They were taking this show press box somewhat national, and he said – you're not there yet, but you, from where you've got started to where you are seven months, I mm. feel good that we can groom you. And I went to the news director and I said, I got a job in LA, so I'm going to be leaving. <laughs> we have a, we have a uh, high school intern, Alexis, who's uh, our audience today. So she's probably hearing words of wisdom of perseverance and dedication, yes. right? Yes. And, and the words that you said, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Uh, Very much. So then that led you to like, now some of the more high profile? 
Yeah, so John? I go back in the first assignment they give me is to go report on a Lee Steinberg concussion seminar. He's well ahead of his time, you know, on, on dealing with the concussions. And three of his clients were there, Troy Aikman, uh, Warren Moon, and Steve Young. And I'm like, it's a little bit different than, the, you know. Idaho, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The group I was covering up there. But, you know, I got thrown into it. Um, and that's happened in my career. Like, I got a chance at ABC Sports and did sideline for college football for three years. And it was probably a little early. Um, but what are you going to do? Say no, you know? So I learned on the fly and I'm sure I made plenty of mistakes. I know I did. Um, and I just, I, I just kind of rolled with it. Is, is it nerve wracking when you're, cause I know also you did NASCAR and you did other sports. Is it nervous? Are you nervous when you're starting to do a different job, but also in a, in a sport maybe that you're not as familiar with? I mean, do you cram for NASCAR and get to know as much as you can about NASCAR? Or do you just kind of let it go and, and go on the fly? So NASCAR actually was a great learning experience because even though that I had a, you know, director who called me honey bunny and drank mouthwash all day, besides the, huh. you know, besides him, um, we had a, it was a, it was a taped show. So we were doing it in segments. So we kind of talked through what we were doing before we did it. So I learned a ton about racing doing that. And, um, you know, that was a great experience. With ABC, I was put on covering the U.S. Open figure skating. I mean, talk about a fish out of water. And they got ahead Kurt Gowdy Jr., who was an amazing producer, who just hand, held my hand through it. And there were certainly times I was put in positions where um, I didn't know as much as I wish I had, no matter how much you tried. Remember, the Internet wasn't quite as right. easy to yep. navigate at the time. So it was – I mean, I was calling – for college football games, I would call the local reporters and try to pull up their stuff and, and talk to them before I went and did sideline at the time just to ramp up on my knowledge. But, um, you know, it's way easier now. There's no excuse for going into anything without at least having a base for it. Yeah, thank God for the Internet. Yes. Hey, uh, actually, let's take a little break here because we've brought Leslie right up to the magical year of 1997 when she gets the call up to the big leagues in Philadelphia. So let's just take a quick break, and we'll be right back. And we're back. Billy's backstage. Leslie, it's 1997. Now, you, you had a tape, and somehow that fell into the right hands. And, of course, Philadelphia was starting this regional sports network, which, which was such and a new and exciting thing. And Philadelphia had never had a female, full-time female sports anchor. Right. Ever. Correct. Yeah. yeah, they really hadn't had a female sport. I mean, you know, I always try to pull Dee into this mix because mm -hmm. she and I both started at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, I mean, really there hadn't been a sports anchor or report. There had been female journalists, um, but there had not been sports journalists, but there hadn't been anybody on air. So that was new. Yeah, it was. And, you know, the beauty of coming here. In but Philadelphia is really good with change. So <laughs> that should, right? it was easy peasy, right? It was <laughs> but see, I was worried about that, right? Like, I'm going to be really judged as this chick from L.A. who doesn't know anything about sports. And, of course. I'm, and, and I know, I know that I, I actually have fun, uh, you know, proving people wrong. Mm -hmm. So I'm patient with that. Um, but getting here, I think because we all started at the same time, it, it wasn't like one person was under the microscope. Mm. You know, you had people coming from all over. And the city was really excited about what we were doing. So we really kind of dodged a bullet, I think, because yeah. it could have been bad. But it ended up being the most tremendous experience. Um, what we built, I mean, it was like a start. Right, you're starting it up. You know, you got I Beat Pete. 
Yeah. Right? You had those episodes. You had Neil. Yes. You had I've realized Derek I'm an Gunn. entrepreneur, and that falls in all of that. Yeah. It's a start. It was a startup. And c- could there have been a better market f- for this kind of thing than no. Philadelphia? No. And I had come from L.A., where I had been on the air for a couple of years. And if I got recognized twice while I was there, yeah. they just don't care. It didn't care as much at the time. Here, I'm a week into it, people are like, hey. And I'm like, hi. I'm like, do I know them? <laughs> right. Like, not realizing they'd actually been you watching. You're a celebrity. Yeah. Um, so I got a job offer at Home Team Sports at the same time to do pre, pre-game for, um, you know, Capitals and, and Orioles and you know, Wizards at the time. So it was, uh, you know, it was something I considered doing. It was more money, actually. But I just, there was something about Philly that I just knew what they were building. You could tell from Jack Williams to Ed Snyder and all the people involved. It was just there was a feeling that I got, and it was the right it was the right feeling. Now you guys obviously covered all the sports. Was there one sport, hockey, basketball, baseball, football? Is one sport that you were at that time particularly better, more versed in? Baseball. I baseball? mean, I, I was coming out to the games before we even went on the air. In fact, I remember <laughs> I, there were like you know. I, I, to supposedly 8,000 people at the vet for one of those like late September games in 97. Now Dutch has been traded yeah, and like, yeah. you know, it's not pretty at the time. It was and, kind of the dark ages. And we weren't on the air yet. Right. I'm over there and one of the vendors is like, why are you here? Like, <laughs> couldn't understand, you know. Yeah, we won 68 games in 1997. Yeah, it yeah. was a rough year. That was a tough year. Yeah, was definitely. <laughs> yeah. And that was, also, that was also the year that Whitey died. So yes. yep. I yeah. got here in August and I'd come over and Somehow I didn't get to meet him. I had been coming over pretty regularly to the games. We weren't on the air yet. I was just getting to know everybody. And um, somehow I missed meeting him, which I know, uh, you know, I was very disappointed about because I've heard such great things. Yeah. Now, some of the players on that team, Scott Rowland was on that team, right? Mm-hmm. Rico Bronia. Yep. So at least you had some nice guys. Like Rico Bronia, yep. one of the nicest guys. You had a very colorful player in Rex Hudler. Yep. Right? <laughs> one of my all-time favorites, yeah. the Mad Dog or Wonder Dog. Wonder Dog. Right? Uh, so you had some Good people, right? Yeah. Fun people. Ruben uh, was on that team. Yeah. Who I knew f- through mutual friends, like in California. Like I had known him, you know, as an acquaintance. So he was really the only person I knew when I moved here. And then Rob Parent was on that team. Yeah. yeah. Um, or Mark. Mark Parent. I Mark Parent. Parent. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Mark. Do you know the Rob? Mark Parent was uh, the reason why Roseanne got in trouble. Uh, did I ever tell the story on yeah. the podcast? Mm-mm. All right. So you remember when Roseanne Bard. Got sang the trouble, National sang the National Anthem, yeah. and she did a kind of a crude thing yeah. after she sang the National Anthem. Well, Mark Parent told me the story that he was catching for the Padres, and he was there, like, on the field when Roseanne Barr was really nervous. And he said, uh, he said, are you, are you ready? Have you done this before? She's like, no. My agent kind of put me up to this, and I'm scared to death. He said, don't panic. If you feel, you know, if you feel uh, nervous or if anything happens, just do what any baseball players does and <laughs> sc- sc- grab your crotch. <laughs> yes, and spit. And My so, told yes, Rosie? That's kidding around. <laughs> and so, all of a sudden, she I gets pa- she gets panicked while singing, and she she <laughs> t- 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 probably was a you know a rote reflex. And next thing you know, that rote reflex got her in a little trouble. Wow. Yes, I'd oh never heard God. that. Yes, you can blame Mark Parent for that. That's oh. funny. Yes, <laughs> How about it. That was that was a fun team though. Yeah. That was that group was fun to be around. Now, um, but you were like the anchor. I know uh, eventually you really did b- 
become more of the Phillies reporter. Yeah. Uh, so, but so, did you spend in those early years a lot of time in the clubhouse and uh, and reporting on the team? Or I would go to spring training every yeah. year, so okay. I'd be around yep. enough to get to know people. And um, you know, I always tell my Vuk story. Of course, I'll give the condensed version, but Vuk wouldn't talk to me for the first couple of years, and and he, uh, I was a I was a woman on the field, and I said to Ruben, I'm like, what's his problem? And like, oh, he thinks she should be home cooking a roast. And I'm like, really? So a couple years go by, and, you know, I said, that's okay. I know you think I should be home cooking a roast. He goes, I'm going to kill Ruben for saying that. And I'm like, I thought he paraphrased what he said. Like, he actually said that. Yeah, yeah. So Chris Wheeler's outside after practice. He calls Vuk over one day, and he's like, so, you know, Vuk, is she out of the kitchen yet? And he goes, you know, I'm not wrong about a lot of people, but I was wrong about you. And we became really good friends, and he became a real mentor to me. So on his birthday, July 31st, the trade deadline, uh, I had made arrangements. Ruben was now the assistant GM, and I came out, and I brought a, home, a homemade roast. And, <laughs> Is that uh, right? And carrots and potatoes. And so for all the women you think can't cook and do their job, had a chocolate cake, the whole deal. Ah, oh, that's tremendous. Well, yeah. Vuk, you had to earn your oh, your yeah. love with, with – uh, or no earn, earn your way with Vuk. No question. I remember Chrissy Long, who was Still our – Still working on that, John? Well, uh, <laughs> I tell you what. I went through a – I had an incident, which I think we've talked about this as a podcast, of yeah. Colorado – of which I'll forever be banned from Colorado on the road trips because it was just disastrous and I did something, uh, whatever, I'm not going to get into it, but but <laughs> Vuk literally uh, wanted to kill me. He literally wanted to kill me, and his wife, thank God, um, liked me and, and, and <laughs> saved me. And then Vuk didn't talk to me for five years, uh, and then we were then we were actually uh, on great terms. But even Chrissy Long, who is anything that was non-baseball, and Chrissy, who in, was in charge of on-field entertainment, Whenever we had fanatic, you know, pregame stuff, Correct. elephants on the field, elephants. If we had celebrities, if poodle we had races, poodle races, you know, you, topper, topper, you, you, you know, what are you gonna get to play baseball? You know, and right. started screaming at Chrissy, and I got screamed at. I'm sure your fanatic got screamed at. Right. Fanatic brought him 50 black balloons at third base in between innings on his 50th, on his 50th birthday. Right. Yes, and. Uh, he was not happy. <laughs> I, I tell you what, though, as, as you said, alluded to in your earlier, is that Vuk had a very tough side, but he was a softy, and and you know mm. what I mean. I think he just had a tough exterior, but internally he was a very like not soft. He was just had he was a loving guy, yeah, but you had to earn his trust and his. Well, his friendship. funeral was a testament to what kind of people. I mean, how many people whose whose lives he touched. But right after that, after, you know, we went through that, I remember walking up to Don Zimmer um, behind, you know, the, the cage before a game and was asking him to come do, like, a half-hour show over, you know, like, as opposed to, like, two minutes and maybe I'd get lucky. And he goes, uh, he rushed me off right away, and Vuk goes, what do you need? And I said, well, I was going to ask him if he'd come do this show tomorrow, but it's, you know, it's okay. And he goes up and he whispers in his ear and, Zimmer turns around and he goes, what do you need? Bang. Came over to our studio the next day before the game, half-hour nice. show. It was tremendous. Yeah. That was before yes. his incident with Pedro, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Leslie, was it was that uh, as bad as it got in terms of uh, not being accepted in the clubhouse? Did you did you have a, a tough go? And, and were you there? one of the first ones really to go into the clubhouse? Uh, well, first I, females. I, mean, I, mean, I meant to say. Let's look at the Claire Smiths of the world. Right. Who, right. Who really right. earned earned paved the way for me mm. and other women at that time. Yep. There were certainly, um, you know, some people who were crude, but I, I mean, my dad was really big on teaching me 
how to tell someone to go to hell and have them enjoy the trip. Yep. Hmm. And so I, it was really like a way that I could banter with somebody. I could have fun with it. I could be – see, this is where I struggle with the um, – I like the banter. Like, and I don't – if you want – I have a rule. Don't touch me. If you touch me, we're going to have a problem. But you want to say whatever you want to say. I can come back and, you know, I can I can hold my own. I have no problem with it. And, in fact, enjoy some of the banter to the extent where other women might not feel comfortable with it, and that's fine. Right. I get it. Um, very funny story that you guys may remember is when we were first on the air the first year, we had the camera in the locker room. We had it in the clubhouse with, you know, facing lockers. And, you know, what do we know, right? We're, it's first time for everybody doing this. And Derek Gunn's over there covering a game, and Desi Relaford's his, you know, after the game. And they're talking away, and in the background, I see someone with the, with the towel on, and I'm like, oh, no, that's Ruben. And he drops the towel. And he did it on purpose. Toward the camera. I mean, I'm like, oh my god! And my producer, our producer Jim Ruling, gets in our ear and goes, "It's cable." And we are like, uh, exactly. well, you know, oh my god! What? What are we? <clears throat> so. So Ruben wasn't embarrassed. So Ruben wasn't embarrassed. There was well, total of jokes. package down. So his nickname being the total package. <laughs> exactly. Come that weekend, I was out there before the game on a Sunday. They were leaving on a road trip. I was talking to Mark Parrott and Schilling and Batalico and all those guys. Um, and Ruben's over here doing an interview, and I was like, they're like, you got to do something. you got to say something. you got to." And I'm like, okay, I got it. So they, he gets done with his interview, and I go, okay, guys, have a great road trip. And I go, by the way, Ruben, was that the total package? And I ran <laughs> out, of, out of the clubhouse. He's like, get back here. But that's just the, like, I can do that. Not everybody's going to feel mm. comfortable with right. that. I know how to shut it down. I know how, like, I know how to handle myself in that situation. I get that not everybody's going to be comfortable with that. So, you know, that's one of the things that is hard for me because, you know, even as a woman, you don't know where a guy feels comfortable because everybody's being right. taught to be respectful um, in a way that, y you know, you really, you, you should be until you, you kind of understand each other. And, and a, a big bit. part of your job is, is becoming, not friends, but, you know, on a professional level is getting to know these guys and earning their trust and, yes. and vice versa. Yep. Right? So in order to have access to these guys and for these guys to open up, they have to be able to trust you. Yep. Right? And they have to have a relationship with you. So oftentimes, what's be the beauty of baseball is there's so much downtime. Mm -hmm. Whereas in other sports, it's kind of scripted, the media access. Baseball, there's just a lot of downtime where you're in the dugout, you're on the field, you're in the clubhouse. Sometimes doing nothing, right? So well, yeah, and getting to know, like I knew that, you know, like Jimmy Rollins is a great example, right? Jimmy talked when he felt like it, and if he didn't feel like it, he wouldn't. Um, and he also, you earned a level of respect with Jimmy over time. So the more he got to know you and trusted you, the more he would be giving of his time and of what he said. If I ever really needed him, I would prod him and say, like, I can I get, like, I really need to, if you don't mind, and I would be like, two questions, that's another thing I was big on, if I say two questions, I'm stopping at two, unless I have to be like, right. okay, that's not fair, I have to ask a follow-up to that. But, but if he doesn't know you and doesn't trust you, he's, he's not doing not that. He's not doing right. that. Right. So right. it takes time to get there, um, and I think that there's, you know, there's just, they talk to women about things that they talk to, uh, don't talk to men about, and vice versa, mm -hmm. right? Sure. So it's a different perspective to me. Yeah, you know what, let's take a quick break, and then let, when we get back, let's talk more about the 2008 a season. All right, Leslie, let's okay. uh, take a quick break. We'll be right back. 
And we're back with uh, John, of course, partner in crime, and Leslie Goodell. Leslie, we were just talking about uh, Jimmy Rollins. I guess, and when you came in here today, I guess just the memories, do hope do they flood back a little bit to that year of 2008? So you want to laugh, because I, I work from home now, in my in my ways, it still has Citizens Bank Park as my <laughs> work address. Your work address, nice. It, it, I come down here still, so yeah. I'm like, it's just easier to keep it there. I don't have a technically have a work address, so why not? You know, I work from sure. home. I mean, we have a, we have an office, but anyway, it's kind of funny. So yes, I come down yeah. here. I remember it um, so fondly. It was my car could drive itself here for so long. Um, yeah, it's just well, and especially since you know home. you started right. again yeah. in '97. I started '94. So I felt like, you know, I paid, the, I went through a strike and then team went through the dark period. All of a sudden we get Jim Tomey in 2003. We open up the ballpark in 2004. Mm. We just get close and close and close. And all of a sudden, 2007, we make the playoffs. You know, flames out against the Rockies. But then 2008, the magical year. So same thing with you. You started yeah. in 97. So you saw the down periods. Yeah. You covered the tough times when... People might not want to talk because the well, I team's not doing well. I bookended that 08 team. So I was there before Jimmy, and then I went out with Ryan Howard. Right. We were literally walking out. I was doing my final interview. No one knew it was my last day, but everyone knew it was Ryan's. We're walking out onto the field, and I'm like, one of us is making $10 million of free agency, and one of us isn't. And, you know, like, <laughs> we, he and I were joking about it. So is that 16? That was 16. No, 16, 2016. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we went out there, and I, I enjoyed that interview because I knew I, in a different way. Um, and he was the last last piece from that, you know, the big yeah. piece. He was the last piece from that 2008 team. So I was with them from start to finish. I have to ask you, too, about uh, Charlie Manuel, who you covered and uh, I'm sure was one of your favorites. And uh, what the memory, and I'm sure you remember it, too, is was that interview that you had with Charlie. It was uh, after game two, I think, at the NLCS in 2008. Uh, Charlie just lost his mother that morning, and there he was, uh, you know, guiding the team to a win in game two, and then you just had such a great interview with him uh, after the game. I get asked about that interview that right? once a month, probably. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I'm serious, hmm. and everybody will say, you know what I remember? And it's funny because, you know, I didn't walk away from it thinking much of it because of the fact that I had been through that. You know, I, we knew Charlie, and, you know, we saw what happened. It was just part of – our day's events, so we just talked about, you know, what it meant to him. And he was so, um, you know, Charlie, I just think, I, I just love Charlie. As a human being, th watching him with such grace handle the scrutiny he took when he was here and not letting it bother him at all and just being himself. If you can, if, if there's anybody you can learn about authenticity from, it's Charlie Manuel. And he stayed his authentic self and he stayed true to who he is. And this place fell in love with him. And look, winning's great, but I, he's, people had started to fall for Charlie already because of the way he handled himself. So I have a soft spot, huge soft spot in my heart <laughs> for him. Is there any, uh, and obviously with Chase, Chase went to UCLA. Did that, since you went to UCLA, did that help in your relationship? In I don't the, think maybe so. Maybe in the very beginning, maybe? I don't think so. I mean, Chase, a little like Jimmy, right? You kind of have to earn his respect. And, um, you know, Chase uh, Chase is one of those that I think like to mess with people because he hated doing interviews so yep. much. So he'd come out and do them when he was asked to. He would always step up. He all, he never talked about himself, which, of course, infuriated you. He'd go, you know, four for four with, you know, 
eight RBI, and right. you'd be like, yeah. you'd be like, it was a really good, you know, team effort tonight. And I'd be like, stop. <laughs> but he would mess with people, and it was like you just, I would shake my head, and if it was a big group, he would usually like shoot a glance over at me, like, go ahead, ask the next question, or it's Salisbury, or it's Lecky, or you know, people he knew. Um, and just because he, he knew we would ask him a question that he would he would and he could mess with us yeah. or anybody. But else. he must have had a big impact because you named your son Chase. I did, but that was that was about fifteen tries later on names. It was like, okay, what about Ryan, Jimmy, <laughs> Cole, Cole, Brad? Well, Should have been Chooch Cadell. Chooch Cadell. I like Chooch Cadell. Oh <laughs> can we have another kid, Leslie? So we can call Chooch. Perfect, Le- Leslie. Where were you? Um, uh, for Game 5 in 2008. I mean, it was the national broadcast. So where were you during the rain delay, and how did that all go down? So I was up in the um, Comcast Sportsnet suite because oh. it was in a rain delay. And so I went up there to say hello. Ed Snyder was up there. Um, Marge was up there, of Marge, course. Marge. 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 <laughs> One of my favorite people <laughs> of all time. Uh, Marge. I mean, my kids come to the game just to see Marge. But were you uh, working the game? I or? was working the game, okay, but yeah. I'd gone up there during the rain. And I have a picture from up there, which is so funny because it's just like there's just this pool across, you know, the infield and just looking at it going, this is not looking good. No. I mean, it was a mess. But, yeah, that was – I mean, that bag-packed, ready to head back to Tampa, you know, not knowing what was going to go on and – yeah, that was just such a crazy time. Yeah, and how about uh, for the final pitch? Were you in the studio? I was or? with all the other reporters underground, not underground. even watching no, it on a right. tiny little monitor. Yeah, you know? and then – And feeling the whole stadium. So thump. then they let you out onto the field, and then you got yes. uh, interviews well, the, on the, the field. the national okay. media had to go out first, right? Yeah. right. And you and guys the followed the national had to come off. Yes. Yep. So that was the delay, and then we were all lined up in the tunnel behind – I get asked all the time if that was the the high point for me. I can honestly tell you my favorite day was actually the year before in 2007 when they made it into the playoffs. Yeah, That final day? Because it was the first time they got there. Mm -hmm. And it was new and exciting. The way it happened, too. The Mets go down. The Mets go down with Glavin on the hill. Right. You're watching the the scoreboard Scoreboard tick out. And the way it ended. I was standing in front of Missy, actually, up in the stands watching it from there because I didn't want to be underground. And it was just such a Missy Manuel, Charlie's wife. Um, And it was just so cool. Um, And But the way that they felt, the pure elation of getting there – and the way that they felt in the clubhouse. Now, granted, they probably celebrated a little too early because Colorado <laughs> was a bit of a mess. But they got there. And the next year when they got there at the same time, it was, okay, we've been here. Now we need to do right. the next thing. Now we need to do the next thing. So even when they won, that was a pinnacle. But it didn't compare to me to what it was like to make the playoffs for the first time. And I, I just – there was different levels of emotion. Did you guys – Yeah, no, I totally – Absolutely. I think yeah, the we same were, way. Yep. I mean, obviously we didn't like the outcome, but – you're right. That game was, yeah. oh, my God, we're going to make the playoffs. Yeah. Right? And the celebration afterwards. I mean, we I really did party like we had won the World Series, no doubt about it. I know yeah. I did. But no, I, I, I know the players not to wear did. light clothing. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that was something I learned. Being you got doused a, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. We all had raincoats. We brought raincoats uh, that were going to be in the clubhouse in 2008. I remember I was in a suit, and I had to run into my office, grab a raincoat and run back down into the clubhouse <laughs> and it was the greatest advice i forget whoever gave me the advice but it was no goggles i didn't have goggles i didn't go goggles fine. Yeah. uh let's take a quick break when we come back uh 
Leslie, I hope you're ready for a quiz about your life. And we want to catch up about- with some of the things she's up to now. Exactly. We she's up to big, about 30 things. A lot of things. <laughs> Do we have two and a half hours? Including a big golf uh, outing in another two weeks that uh, we're going to tell you all about right after this. And we're back, Philly's backstage, with Leslie Goodell. Leslie, actually, I forgot to tell you, um, I saw the Fanatic today. I said, guess what, Fanatic? Leslie is going to be on uh, the podcast today. He was very, very excited. Uh, And then he said, uh, Tom, because we speak, I speak Galapagos. Is that what it is? Uh, Two of us are the only ones that (laughs) speak. speak. You remember I have to be the radio guy. He reminded me what a great mother you are. I'm like, what are you talking about, Fanatic? No, he's like, no, remember that time. And uh, that Leslie had her son chase. I think it was right around 2008. I think he was only about three or four years old. And he gave the fanatic <gasps> these <No>. binkies. No, <laughs> you do not. Yes. Now explain, oh. explain to the listeners, Tom. Well, I think Leslie ex- should explain, I can explain it. This. So I had been given some advice on how to get rid of the binkies because they're they're you know they're traumatic. It's a traumatic move for any baby or a child, young child, and. And um, he was ready. He said, I'm going to give it. And I said, what do you want to do with them? He says, I want to give them to the fanatic. It was Chase's idea to give his binkies to the fanatic. Yeah, because Kendall gave hers to the fishies at the aquarium. No, Kendall. So he picked, um, so he was, you know, he was just, I think he was probably close to three, you know, something like that. And he said, I want to give them to the fanatic. And so we come down and we meet the fanatic and... And Chase hands this bag you still have. Oh, my God. And what's Tell it say? Fanatic, it says. Thank you. It says, Fanatic, please take care. Good care of my binkies. Love, Chase. That's awesome. Oh, my gosh. Ah. So he hands you the bag, hands Fanatic the bag, and he says, um, and, and Fanatic you know, stands there, takes a picture. Kendall takes a picture, and we get back in the car, and he falls asleep on the way home. And I go to take him out and put him in his bed for a nap. And he goes, where's my binky? I said, the fanatic has him, honey. And he says, call him. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> yeah, he was so upset. I'm like, oh, God, this is not going to work. One night and then was he okay he after was, that? Okay, good. So it worked. we had a picture and the whole He is going to die when he sees That's this. great. <gasps> and I just, I this love the fact phenomenal. that Luca Brasi and... Kendall's binkies are with the fishes, right? <laughs> Luca <Luke up front. laughs> yeah, right, So let's so let's talk about some of the things you're not. You might as well start with what you're not involved in, because <laughs> you know it's probably easier than what you are involved in, because you are in real estate. I you guess. are a sports agent. So I so I I do still have my real estate license, and I do work with friends, and I do some work with the you know different people in the business that have moved in and out. And so that's been helpful to keep that license. I did it for a couple of years when I was done and it was wonderful. Still belong to a wonderful group, the, the civil group with Berkshire Hathaway, but I don't do a ton. Um, I am working with um, strategic sports marketing. So I'm their chief mar- marketing officer. Um, we actually have three companies under one umbrella, Sports Vault, which is a long time memorabilia business. Uh, uh, locally and, and beyond, and then uh, strategic sports marketing, doing a lot of NIL stuff, and we're launching a sports agency. Mm. So getting involved with the college students um, allows me to sort of do that give back thing yep. that I really, to me, that's about helping. And speaking of give back, you're also involved with Andy Talley's, right? I'm on the board of the Andy Talley Bone Marrow Foundation. Bone Marrow Foundation, doing amazing yep. work. They've saved over 850 lives. It's amazing. And then as Tom alluded to earlier, you also have a big tournament coming up with Kendall. T- talk about... Kendall's situation, your daughter. Yeah, so my daughter had a stroke at the age of 10 from something called an AVM, and it's a vein malformation in her brain. It's basically a cluster of unnecessary blood vessels 
without capillaries. So it never slows the blood flow down. And it's basically like hooking a garden hose up to a fire hydrant. Eventually, it will rupture. So she had a stroke. She's had um, a couple of brain bleeds. But she's had radiation treatment to get rid of it. And that has left her without use of her left hand. You wouldn't know when she walks in a room. She's 5'10". She's beautiful. She carries herself great. But she doesn't have use of that hand. So she and I started playing. You know, I took her out to golf. And she was learning golf one-handed because she missed doing sports. So I just took a video of her hitting off the mat, and I posted it, and it went viral. Next thing I know, Nick Faldo is sending all these videos on one-handed lessons. We get in the car. I see it on Twitter, and I go, holy bleep, Nick bleeping Faldo sent yeah, yeah, you, cool. you know, one-arm golf lessons. This is unbelievable. It's great. Yep. And Chase is immediately looking it up. He's got, you know, he's got a green jacket, and, he's the, and Kendall's like, huh, what? So she just, we thought, let's do a golf tournament where everybody's got to play one-handed. And we did it last year. We had a slub on every hole. The Fanatic was there. Um, and, John, you were there. Uh, and it was, a, um, it was a really amazing experience. It went from being very gimmicky to being something that raised such great awareness. Mm-hmm. People came off the course going, wow, it's really hard to be one-handed. Yep. And those are the people who still got to use two hands in the golf cart. So this year, um, we're doing it again at White Marsh Valley uh, Country Club on May 31st. We have the nine-hole one-arm challenge, and then afterwards a party. We sell t- tickets separately for the party, which is a lot of fun. The Tim Williams Band is Great playing. Great band. Um, Snappy Gilmore, for anybody who is a fan on uh, Instagram, TikTok, he's got, you got to check him out. He's underscore snappy Gilmore. He, he hits one-handed. Yeah, you got to see his videos. Yeah, the videos is, are awesome. Yeah, he's got like a million and a half followers on TikTok. But anyway, I contacted him and said, do you want to come out? So yeah. he's we're flying him out, and he's going to be there hitting 310-yard drives wow. with one hand. Wow, you believe that, John? With one hand. With one hand. <laughs> I don't think I want to see that, actually. You can't get half <laughs> no. of that with two hands. <laughs> exactly. I know. So he's joining us. It's just going to be yeah, It's going to be awesome. So and I think so people can sign up, is coming right? out again this year, maybe. He's going to be there. Yeah. Tom's going to be there, too. And and, yeah. and I'm going to be there, are too. You, oh, yes. are you joining yes. the Phillies? Yeah. Phillies foursome. Nice, nice. With the guy who shares your birthday, Dave Buck. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? Did you, know you guys have the same birthday? We do. Just, oh, how about that? Yeah, May 15th. Hmm. Uh, is there a way people can still sign up, Leslie? There it is, kendallscrusade.org. And uh, just below the header is the golf link, and you can go on there and um, and sign up, donate, whatever. We still we have one one or two sponsorship packages left, and uh, and we've got a few foursomes. So. It really seems like it's it's building this event in particular. You know, uh, it just seems like I've seen a lot uh, talked about. You know, you, I see on TV talking yeah. about. It. I've seen Kendall on TV, and it's just uh, it's great. It just looks like you know another, it's going to be another great year. The awareness piece for the disabled community is an mm. added function to what we're trying to do with AVMs, and the proceeds from this year's event go to the new neuroscience unit. Paley Hospital. They're building out a unit over there. So Awesome. Yeah. Oh, good stuff. Look at that, John. All right. Look at you pointing to your quiz. Leslie, were you studying all night? I hope oh you are. Gosh. Well, she's listened to the podcast, so she knows there's a quiz. Yes. And first of all, I apologize. I have allergies, and I think I did a little, I hit the wrong cough button. So. <laughs> <laughs> I hit, I'm not on, so on level on one. Cough I coughed on the cough button, so <laughs> yes. But the good news is just allergies, folks, so all good. Thanks for the visit, let's get down to business Now here's your chance to show how much you really know He might get grumpy if he can't stop you with Brazier's Quiz
I think I know what your first question is going to be because it always is. And folks who have been on this podcast who are from L.A. Uh, have usually have a lot of famous alumni. Am I right? That's your first question. Uh, yes and no. Huh? I have UCLA. If you're referring to UCLA, that's my second question. So Leslie, are uh, you ready for sure. the quiz? Now Let's we always say you have to get uh, six out of eight. That's our. That's the bar we set. That's the bar. And Tom, if Leslie gets six out of eight, what are we giving Leslie? Uh, do we have any uh, Mother's Day clutches left over? Or we should be promoting something that's coming coming up, right? <laughs> <laughs> Give her the old stuff. Nobody got you know. <laughs> we'll clean out the closet. <laughs> should we give her a Father's Day Chevrolet bucket hat? <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'll Why don't we the Mother's Day clutch if you have leftover Mother's yes, Day. Yeah, we, we will do get that. one of those. All right, Leslie. First question. You were born in San Marino, California, which is which is a residential city in Los Angeles County, California, right? Which of these celebs was not born or never lived in San Marino, California? Okay. Which is the, so okay. you feel you're feeling pretty good? Mm-hmm. Okay. Here we go. A, actor Rob Schneider, who is Deuce Bigelow, Saturday Night Live. Uh, B, General George Patton. C, Nipsey Russell from Match Game 76. And D, Merlin Olson, former Rams defensive lineman and actor on Little House on the Prairie. So is it Rob Schneider, George Patton, Nipsey Russell, or Merlin Olson? Wow. Where's Jim Gott in there? You know he's from San Francisco. I could have. That would have been too easy. I could have picked Jim Gott. Kim Carnes, too. Kim Kim Carnes. Wow. The singer from the 90s. Right? Or is she 2000s? Early 90s. All right, so what are you going uh, with? Ro- go Nipsey Russell. Nipsey Bang. Russell, because if you heard our podcast, I always have a mid- match game 76. It's either Brett Summers or <laughs> Charles, Charles Nelson, Nelson Riley, Riley <laughs> Bill Cullen. Uh, all right, you went to UCLA. Here's mm-hmm. a question for Tom. Which one of these celebrities did not go to UCLA? Did not go to UCLA, okay? okay. President Herbert Hoover, Jim Morrison, Steve Martin, comedian, Jimmy Connors, tennis legend. So was it Herbert Hoover, president, Jim Morrison, Steve Martin, or Jimmy Connors? Mm. I'm going to go Jim Morrison. No, Jim Morrison. Now, I don't know if he graduated from there, yeah, but he went there. Yeah, I was thinking, like, <laughs> so, did he really go to college? That's why I said you, he went to UCLA, but President Herbert Hoover was one right. of the first uh, to enter Stanford when Stanford, Stanford. opened. All right, so that? it's kind of a little right. tricky question. All right, it's all right. Mm. I think you'll do better here. This one, this one's a layup right here. In 1997, Comcast Sportsnet launched in Philadelphia. Which one of these anchors was not part of the original eight? See, it's a layup. Is it Michael Barkan, Matt Yaloff, Neil Hartman, or Derek Gunn? Matt Yaloff. Matt Yaloff is correct. So you are two for three. All right, in 1997, your first year in Philadelphia, who led the Phillies in home runs that year with 21? Was it Mike Lieberthal, Rico Bronia, Greg Jeffries, or Scott Rowland? Oh, boy. Mm. All right. Just okay. I, I don't think it was Scott. You can go with Lifeline. If Tom Burgoyne can be your Lifeline. Scott got hurt. Wasn't Scott hurt at that In 97? Mm. Uh, well, he was. It was when he broke the hand. He took the oh. – didn't he take a pitch off his hand? He won the gold um, glove that year, so I think he played oh, enough he to played play the enough, gold glove. Yeah. yeah. So I, yeah, I wouldn't put the injury in there. Uh, I'm going to go Rico Bronia. Rico Bronia had 20, and Levy had oh. 20, but Scott Rowland had 21. You should have oh. gone with your initial instinct. Oh. All right, now. All right, you got you to uh, 
Clear, you gotta when you run the table. Yeah, I, I was gonna say table. clean, clear All the right. table. I I'm think clear it too. My mom right. You have it. You have. I just realized that you have a tough. This is this is. The I, tough this quiz. is probably the toughest quiz of all the quizzes huh. I've ever. I'm going to be clutchless given. when I leave. All right. No <laughs> There'll be no clutch. You, no clutch for you. you inter- <laughs> we'll give you a clutch anyway because you are a clutch. You interviewed George W. Bush at the Little League World Series. That must have been pretty cool. It was very cool. Except right? instead of calling him the sitting president, I called him the acting president, and that opened the door for a lot of jokes. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> yes. But that's before. I didn't know, but that I was get, before uh, the internet, right? Yeah, um, yes. It was so you, you would have got not it. acting it president. Twitter. I know sitting president, well, but we acting doesn't work too. That during the production meeting, we'd come yeah. up. It wasn't just me, but I I heard about it afterwards. Huh. Yeah, right. there's a lot of acting presidents, like people that act <laughs> play the president on tv right, but, right but, uh all right. all right so um you interviewed george w bush mm-hmm. the little league world series who was the first president to ever throw out a first pitch at a major league baseball game now you get a lifeline here if you want i don't know if tom Burgoyne's a good lifeline or not but he's the first one to throw out the first pitch now he did it from his seat back then they didn't do it yep. from the mound he did it from seat then that started the tradition mm-hmm. of first pitches was it william taft Benjamin Harrison, William McKinley, or Calvin Coolidge? Do you want to go to his lifeline? Yeah, lifeline. That's four again because I think I know it. William Taft, Benjamin Harrison, William McKinley, or Calvin Coolidge? Either Coolidge or Taft. I've seen the picture. I've seen the picture. I was thinking Coolidge Coolidge too, too. but let's go with Coolidge. You sure you don't want to go Taft? Definitely Taft. Taft is correct. <laughs> totally Taft. Taft threw, Thanks, John. Threw from his vest. <laughs> from wait, his seat. Do you have a year on that? 1910. Wow. 1910. 1910, yes. He was also, I think, the heaviest president. And he's also, if I'm, uh, Scott Brandt can check this since I'm uh, throwing this off the top of my head. But I also think he's the only one that went on to become Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. But again, I'm going to get fact checked by Scott Brandon. <laughs> Brandon, and I better have gotten that right. All right. Call you, you ser- on we'll get, We got you that. Yeah, he served as a reporter, we mentioned, for the Indy 500 for ABC Sports. Which one of these guys is not tied for the Indy 500 for most wins with four? So three of these guys have four wins. Uh, one does not, okay? A.J. Foyt, Al Unser, Rick Mears, Bobby Unser. Bobby Unser. Bobby nice. Unser is correct. Did you know that, Tom? I was going to go Bobby Unser. Okay. All right, number seven. You're on a roll here. Your daughter got golf instructions from Nick Faldo after she posted videos of her golfing one-handed. We mentioned that due to AVM. How many times has Nick won the Masters? Is it two, three, one, or zero? Two. Three. You going to go with three? You going with three? <laughs> yeah, let's go with three. Three is correct, Tom. Hey, beautiful. Right? How about that? All right, then the last. Leslie on a roll. Then the last question <laughs> is, right? I think I think she's just one away. And the last question is, you have volunteered, if we mentioned, for Andy Talley's Bone Marrow Foundation. Congratulations, Andy Talley, for such a successful campaign for many years uh, and a great career. Um, he coached Villanova for 32 years. Do you know where he coached before he coached Villanova? He coached five years at a college before Villanova. She's looking pretty confident, Tom. Looking confident. St. Lawrence University. I think that clutch is uh, is going to be St. Lawrence to without her. the. She doesn't even need. I, I was going to say Trinity College, Holy Cross, nice. St. Lawrence, or Amherst. She got it, St. Lawrence, and Leslie wins. The that was the look of somebody, uh, the Jeopardy champion, when they know they got the yeah. final Jeopardy. It's like, oh, okay, well, the champ's going to win again. Got it. Yes. Congratulations, <laughs> Leslie. Thank you. Thank the clutch. You, you got to find a clutch now. I do. You got to go down. It. I'll find a clutch. <laughs> Leslie, I'm this has end been. I'm going to up with a bucket hat. And then I, I, you're going to get a bucket hat. <laughs> That's true. Good and then I'm going to find out if Taft really was Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. Brandon, they'll let you know. Yes. Uh, Leslie, this has been a lot of fun. 
Thanks for coming in. Uh, We're going to see you in two weeks. And good luck on your event. But uh, but, uh, before we go, uh, the information on the event itself. Kendallscrusade.org. And right below the header, it says the golf the link to the golf. Um, all the golf information. And so. if, if anybody wants to follow you on social media, do you have any social media? Yep, Kendall's Crusade on Instagram, Kendall's Crusade on Facebook. Uh, we've got all the information up there and great. on Twitter. Perfect. Awesome. Leslie, thanks again. Thank you. John, great job as always. Alexa. Alexa. Alexis. Do we get a golf clap Alexa. from the audience? Alexa. Thanks for being our, our <laughs> studio audience. And uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time on Phillies Backstage. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.